And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Hello, Dan. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you here again today. You know, last week we were talking about how to read the Bible, and uh, this week is really another extension of that. And uh, when we talk about the Bible, you and I have a certain set of assumptions that we bring to the Scriptures, and it's that we really believe that the Bible means what it says, and that it it's complete. It's all that we need for life and godliness. And before we open the mics, you guys had mentioned a big word, and want to share that with the listeners now and explain what that means. You mentioned the sufficiency of Scripture. So today, we're going to be talking about the Bible and uh, kind of help us understand, get our arms around this wonderful book that God has given us. But let's first talk about the sufficiency of Scripture. I would start uh, by, uh, of course, affirming the sufficiency of the Scriptures. I think that the, mm. that the people of God through the centuries have done so, and they've seen the Bible not only as special, but it is complete. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is this verse that we mentioned last time that I would like to start off with, this time, and it is in Second Timothy chapter three, and it's verse sixteen. All Scripture is God breathed. That means it has its source in God, mm-hmm. uh, even though it came through human instrumentation. All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, and rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. And here is the the point I think. Uh, that that I want to make, so that the man of God, Mm -hmm. or the person who's a believer, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Mm -hmm. Now, that speaks to the sufficiency of Scripture. Uh, It contains all that I need to know about God and about eternal life, and all that I need to do to please Him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I I hear somebody talking about... uh, either uh, needing something else or, or there's various groups that have added to scriptures. Uh, it's almost uh, like uh, somebody saying, well, I want a second opinion because what I hear mm-hmm. in the first place is not what I want to hear. <laughs> and I think that's usually usually the case. It's, it's not that uh, the scripture is not sufficient, but it's that it tells us something that maybe we don't want to hear, and that's why yeah. people don't leave it with scriptures but have to go to somewhere mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. It, its message challenges us at every point about uh, what we believe and what we are to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when we do not believe and when we do not respond to what we're supposed to do, we are rebuked by it. I was looking at the uh, verses preceding the ones, John, that you read, where it says all Scripture is given by inspiration. And it's it's quite interesting how that um, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, But as for you, continue in the things you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. This is very interesting that uh, apparently Timothy here was brought up in the ways of the Lord, from his youth. Well, he, 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 when it says the scriptures here, it's not referring necessarily to the New Testament. It still hadn't been reduced yeah. to writing. It was being um, preached and taught, mm-hmm. and just a little later it was reduced to writing, but he's referring to the Old Testament. Mm. Right. And in the Old Testament, of course, he would have known not the Old Testament as the Old Testament, but as the law and the prophets and the writings. 
Mm. Now, that tells us uh, that there are different kinds of literature, even in the Old Testament. There's Torah, or law. It means mm-hmm. teachings, the teachings, the core teachings of God's revelation that was given to Moses. So that Torah is spelled T-O-R-A-H? T-O-R-A-H. Mm-hmm. Better translated as teaching rather than law. Okay. Mm. And uh, then you have the section called the prophets, or in Hebrew, it's uh, Nebim, mm. the prophets. And they were the ones that God sent to call his people back to faithful covenant Torah mm. keeping. Okay. Keeping covenant. And then mm. what doesn't fit in the first two categories that God revealed, you put into a third category, and they called it the writings, mm-hmm. Kethubim. Now, that's that's why the Jewish people who know something about their Bible will call it the Tanakh. It's mm-hmm. an acrostic. Mm. The law, T, uh, the prophets, N, and the writings, K. But since you can't pronounce T and K, you add a couple of vowels and put an H <laughs> on the end to make it look Hebrew. <laughs> that's right. Like a Hebrew word. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. the Tanakh. So um, here would be young Timothy, familiar with uh, Tanakh, or the law, the prophets, the writings. That's what mm-hmm. he knew. And right. uh, studied from his from childhood. Yeah. yeah, and these would all point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. They would point to. Yeah. They'd point to the Messiah that would be to come. You mm-hmm. know, you have the creation, you have the fall, and then you you have the law, and man's constant failure to be able to keep the law. Mm-hmm. And so the need for a savior. And uh, well, let's talk about that for just a moment. Sure. We've got a break coming up, maybe in three minutes. Uh, the need for a savior, uh, according to um, what we find even in, way back in the book of Genesis. What happened? Um, why do we need a savior? Well, you see, the the, the need right away is that human yeah. beings are flawed because there is described in the scripture a spiritual rebelling against God, mm-hmm. and it's called the fall. And human beings, while they have a human nature, it is a flawed human nature that uh, wants to establish its own kingdom and become its own God rather than submit Mm -hmm. to that one who has made us all. So there is that. And Israel was called to keep covenant or Torah with God, but she failed. Mm -hmm. And guess what? God in his love and grace sends a faithful covenant partner, a representative, Mm-hmm. who takes our place mm-hmm. and represents us and then calls us to himself. He alone can be the Savior for that reason. But it fits mm-hmm. perfectly and nicely into the whole flow of Scripture, doesn't it, Mark? Yes, it does. It so just, God uh, directs us uh, back to look at Adam and Eve as uh, our first parents. Yes. And um, they were uh, left to the uh, freedom of their will, and yet they they fall uh, some teachers will say they fell from an estate uh, in which they were created. Yes, their privileged position or estate. Yeah, so they uh, they sin against God, and um, and they were our representatives too. Uh, and that's just the way God set it up, I guess. God sets up a. Yeah. Uh, he, he, uh, let's, I love the way someone I heard put it once. God looked down among us all the possibilities that would live in the human earth and life. Now, this is not quite theological, Mm -hmm. but he chooses the best among us to represent us. The one Mm -hmm. who could succeed, if anyone who could. Yeah, very true. And then chooses Adam and Eve, and they fell. Yeah. Mm. It's true because they didn't have sin at that point. They didn't have sin. They were predisposed Mm -hmm. to righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, they overcame that predisposition to do good and rebelled against 
that which is holy and now, true. Now, uh, we've got 30 seconds, and maybe you can help me here in these 30 seconds. They sin. Now, how does that affect me today? Well, that sin passed on all of us. And mm-hmm. so we are born with a sin nature. David in Psalm 51 says, In sin my mother conceived me. Mm-hmm. In other words, even at the point of conception, we have this sin and this rebellion against God uh, right from the point of conception. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what happened. Yeah. We're and born with original, original sin. Original that's sin. what's called. Yeah. 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 I remember Paul says in Romans that, by the offense of one, judgment came upon mm-hmm. all men to uh, condemnation. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'll continue this thought on the other side of the break. You're listening today to A Plain Answer. Here on Redeemer Broadcasting, we're talking about the Bible. Stay with us now. We'll be right back. God save the world. God save the child. Humble the strong. Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me I light a candle Stare at the flame I see the only way this world can change one tiny light in each of us a seed of hope a mighty love God save the world God save the child humble the strong Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, one. Two four six one. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box fifteen twenty, Olive Bridge, New York, one two four six one. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. God save the world. God save the child. Humble the strong. Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me 
And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Ellendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Today we're talking about the Bible, the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, and we talked already a little bit about how the Bible is structured, but particularly the Old Testament. Uh, John, you mentioned the law, the prophets, the writings, and um, we also talked just a little bit about man's original sin and how that our first parents sinned, and uh, that that sin was passed on to us today. And, uh, you know, maybe it struck me, maybe there's a listener out there right now who is especially aware of his sin or her sin. And, um, you know, the Bible offers you a Savior. And let's just explore that a little bit, uh, just the simple good news, once you realize that you are a sinner. The, uh, the, the sin, or original sin, is passed on by divine judgment and fiat. Mm. Now, it works itself out many ways, uh, but we are, belong to a sinful race. So, in other words, I may have my particular sins uh, that I'm very aware of. Uh, I really blew it last night or the night before, and yet um, at the very root cause, at the very root of this, is a sinful heart. Yeah, mm. we're sinful. As Billy Graham used to say, we are sinful by nature and by our own practice. Mm. So uh, we, we we sin because we're sinners, but on the other hand, we choose to sin, and we're mm-hmm. responsible for that. Uh, and so the human race mm-hmm. cannot save itself. Right. And so God, in the counsel of his own wisdom, and the time which was exactly right, sent a faithful covenant partner, Jesus Christ, who mm-hmm. kept faithfully the covenant, and through that covenant includes us and represents us in righteousness. Mm-hmm. And he dies on the cross for my sin and is raised the third day. So we find a certain symmetry in the Bible. Mm. The first Adam, as Paul puts it, and the second Adam. And it's by representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I could not and would not save myself. So I need a Savior, and Jesus mm-hmm. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. You know what strikes me, uh, and maybe, uh, listener, you feel this way yourself, um, for many years it seems like uh, sometimes person A, let's call him person A, um, will hear you know the Bible or a message or whatever, and it's like water off a duck's back. It, it, it doesn't affect the person at all. And then something happens, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my, I, uh, I'm standing before God and I'm guilty. He calls me a sinner. I, I need, quote unquote, I need to do something about it. Let's say that person's right at that point right now. Um, help us walk through that just a little bit. Well, what, uh, that person, you know, is realizing that they're a sinner, but what they also need to realize is, is that they can't save themselves, and there's only one who did, and he did mm. it completely and sufficiently, and that was Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. And three mm-hmm. days rose again, mm-hmm. and uh, what they do is trust him, trust, trust. in in him, yes. and trust his uh, his work for their salvation. That's, key, That's the only it? means. The trust, trust, faith. Through yeah. faith, we are identified with Christ and trust yeah. Him. Mm-hmm. And and Paul makes a wonderful uses the uh, uh, several prepositions in the New Testament in in Greek to uh, illustrate this, but one of them he says we are in Christ. Mm-hmm. We are saved through the merits of another because we are in him, mm-hmm. represented by mm-hmm. him at the deepest level of our being. 
You know, sometimes people feel uh, just a terrible emptiness in their soul, in their heart, in their chest, whatever. And um, I think that's uh, tied to this having lost communion with God. Uh, We we come into this world a sinner. Um, We're in our sins. We need his forgiveness. We need that relationship. Mm -hmm. John, you mentioned covenant. That's, to me, that's tied to relationship, isn't it? John Stott, in his wonderful little work on Christian Basics, says that uh, Christianity is not necessarily a creed, though it's creedal. It's not necessarily a group of laws, though there are some commandments. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a lot of things. He says what Christianity is, above everything else, is knowing a person. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that person is Jesus Christ. And, and one mm-hmm. of the things that people don't realize, and I think a lot of people just automatically feel, especially in this society, that, uh, well, okay, God is there and and they they somehow have a relationship with God. They don't realize that relationship with God is adversarial mm-hmm. unless they have faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, God is not their father. We hear about this, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. Well, wait a second. <laughs> uh, God is not their father at that point. Uh, he is their judge and, as Luther would say, his enemy before Luther uh, came to faith. And uh, what Jesus Christ did in dying on the cross and rising three days later, uh, he changed that relationship. For those who trust in Jesus Christ, then they are the ones that can say, God Mm -hmm. is my father and I am his child. In fact, Luther says, before he had made his peace with God through Christ, said that he had three enemies. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Only one was the devil. The second was the law, of course, uh, of God. And uh, and himself, he he was his own uh, mm-hmm. uh, worst enemy. And yeah. it's only through Christ, God is his enemy. Mm-hmm. It's only yeah. through Christ that that hostility has been removed, yeah. and you receive the shalom of God. Yeah. Amen. That's yeah. right. And so we trust Jesus Christ for our eternal salvation. Now we um, got into this discussion because today we were looking at the Bible and the the sufficiency of Scripture, all that we need for life and godliness is right here in the Scriptures. We talked a little bit about the Old Testament, man's fall into sin. Now we've talked a little bit about the New Testament, uh, the solution for man's sin, and all Mm -hmm. the time that Old Testament was pointing to Jesus who was to come. You know, uh, uh, there's an interesting phrase. Mark knows this as well as I do. We come across Mm -hmm. this passage where Mm -hmm. it says that there is a kind of veil even over mm-hmm. the Old Testament saint. Yes. Yeah. Moses yeah. even. The yeah, greatest. The, the, the veil he brought. The Second Corinthians is from mm-hmm. Second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A veil that people don't see. But when that veil is lifted, wow. And how do you see Christ in the whole of the Bible through the New Testament? Yeah, that's true. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if I come to embrace Christ as he's offered in the gospel in the New Testament, then I begin to see Christ in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's not difficult for me to see him in the Psalms or in Isaiah 53. Right. It's not difficult for me to see him uh, in, in the actions uh, of those prophets and saints because, mm-hmm. in fact, uh, he is present and he is there, and once in a while he appears, doesn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's right. We have a theophanies and uh, his appearance there mm-hmm. in a number of different places, but he is there in the in the Old Testament, and of course the whole sacrificial system of mm-hmm. the Old Testament was pointing ahead to the the sacrifice Christ would make for us once for mm-hmm. all. So we're talking about the Bible, the sufficiency of Scripture. We started to get into a little bit how the Bible is structured. 
Uh, now we sit down with an open Bible and we start reading it. And uh, I think, John, you wanted to give us an example. Uh, let's see if I can get to Christ from a nature psalm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Sanderson, an old professor of mine, uh, used to say that uh, every scripture, may not directly, but every scripture in some way is pointing to Christ. Mm. Here is a, a Psalm 29. Uh, just let me read it. Uh, and as I read it, imagine what the worldview and the picture drawing here. There's an illustration being drawn in words. Hmm. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Siron like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple everyone says glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Mm-hmm. Now, as you look at that, it's a nature psalm, and it's, uh, it's, it's a part of the scripture where it is poetry. Now, Hebrews didn't write poetry exactly the way we do. It doesn't rhyme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but scholars, a few centuries ago, only a couple centuries ago, discovered, actually it was an English bishop, everyone knew that the Hebrew scriptures in the Psalms was poetry. And everyone knew that there was a kind of parallelism in it, even. Hmm. And that was kind of the key, but no one really could nail it for sure. And he says, well, the Hebrew poets were concerned about parallelism of thought. Mm-hmm. It's thought, ideas. And in this case, it's what is called synthetic parallelism. It builds. It says the same thing twice. That's the parallelism. But then it adds one little feature more, building up an image. For instance, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. Now, what David has done through this is I, I kind of like to think he's on vacation in the anti-Lebanon mountains. <laughs> I think he likes nature like Mark does. <laughs> and he's high up in the mountains, and yeah. he sees a thunderstorm. This is the description of a thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't see raw nature. He sees in the thunder and the lightning, it's shaking everything. Uh, and that is poetry, he says, but the whole mountain uh, shakes like a deer yeah. uh, and so forth. But where's the Lord in all of this? Well, he uses the word king. And if you remember from the New Testament that all things were created through him and are sustained through him, the Lord of glory, our Lord Jesus Christ, is in the storm. Now, I would apply that in this way. We go through the storms of life, but every person out there can know that the Lord is with them in those storms. Mm-hmm. That is a uh, an application that I would mm-hmm. make from mm-hmm. a text like this. But it's a beautiful text. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Thank you for that. And yeah. all of nature sings his glory. We even sing that in a hymn, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
he doesn't see bare power or raw power. He sees the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not in an animistic way where he's in the tree and the thing, but God's presence in the midst of the storm. So that passage opens up as we have relationship with Jesus Christ, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're talking about the Bible, its sufficiency, how to read it, how it's structured. And uh, thank you, John, for that. I see we're almost out of time already. Today we've been talking about the Bible, how to read it, how it's structured. And uh, the person of Jesus Christ, relationship with him, how that opens up the Bible so we can understand it, so it means something to us. So it's not just mere words on paper. The Holy Spirit of God takes his word, applies it to our hearts. This is a wonderful book, the Bible. And uh, wrap up thoughts, gentlemen, before we close our mics for today. One of the things I see in the Bible, it's, its continuity is so great. I know a lot of the missionaries, when they go into a new tribe, they'll teach the whole Bible. They'll start with creation, yes. go all the way through through the fall. And, you know, these people can identify with that. Mm. And then it comes all the way to the point where Jesus is crucified. And the people identify with that, and, and, and they realize they are part of the ones who sent him to the cross, and then he rises mm. again. And when the people realize that, I, I know in one tribe that when they realized that Christ died for them, it was incredible. It was rejoicing. It was, yes. it was, it was almost party time for hours <laughs> rejoicing because they realized what Christ had done. And, you know, and that's all because of the Scripture. Yeah. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Amen. I heard a lecture of uh, uh, a rabbi that I know gave a lecture and. And in it, he was emphasizing that Torah is life. If you go back and read Moses, you see that Torah is life. Let me say that the entire scriptures, uh, we could say that about it is life. For in them are the words of eternal life. And uh, Jesus spoke the life-giving word. And he is present not only in creation, not only in our world, but all through the history that we find in the Bible as it unfolds, there is the presence of Christ. That's why Paul could say that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It's a wonderful message to preach. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Life-sustaining. Yeah. Believe yeah. on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. This has been Redeemer Broadcasting's A Plain Answer. Thank you so much for tuning our way today and joining us. Uh, This entire broadcast will be available upon our website, RedeemerBroadcasting.org. Thanks for joining us again today, and may our Lord richly bless you as you serve Him. Open up my heart that I might see God save the world starting with me.